0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC.
1: Eric Kane of Locked On Volge does a great job covering things with Tennessee. And Eric, appreciate you joining us. Hopefully you've recovered from this weekend, my man.
0: Yeah, I mean it took a while to get off that field. I was down there shooting the video and then yeah, you, know, you had to sprint to the to the center to the midfield and then of course you were stuck there for about thirty minutes, but what a great scene. Uh, it was awesome. Knoxville pretty much burned down Saturday night. It was it was a really, really cool college football moment.
1: So, overall, just kind of walk us through that. Like I know that uh, you cover things Tennessee. You've been around Tennessee for a long time. Have you ever witnessed or seen anything like that? And how did it all transpire, not only the game itself, but, of course, the ending where they hit the field goal for the win?
0: Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, you know, I I, uh, I didn't get to cover Tennessee. I mean, I was just young, you know, whenever they were really good during the 90s. Um, and then the early 2000s, uh, I was – guess I was in middle school, maybe high school, when oh seven or oh eight when they went to the SEC Championship game last. So, uh, it's been a lot of bad football for me in my young adulthood and uh, teenage years and, of course, covering this team. So, it was a whole lot of fun just seeing that scene unravel. Uh, you know, the the end of the game there <laughs> – you had the scoop and score from, from Alabama on a fumbled exchange from Hendon Hooker, uh, the running back, Javari Small, and you know Tennessee answers right back, goes and ties the football game. Alabama gets the football back, goes down, and uh, Bill O'Brien chooses to not run the football to help out his kicker at all, and uh, your kicker misses wide right. Tennessee gets it back 15 seconds and throws it down the field to Brew McCoy. What a big boy catch that was. And then it sets the stage for Chase McGrath, who missed a point after attempt earlier in the football game. And that's just kind of how these stories always happen, right? You miss the PAT, you come back, you kick the knuckleball, it might have been tipped in the line of scrimmage. He doesn't even know. We asked the post game, and uh, it barely goes through. It was a forty-yarder. It would not have been good from forty-one yards. I can tell you that it would have bounce. It would have hit the. It would have hit the bar. Uh, but uh, man, what an ending! And then, of course, all the craziness happened, and Tennessee knocked off Alabama, snapped a fifteen-game losing skid in the series, and uh, obviously, number three in the polls or in the AP polls come on uh, on Monday.
1: What were some of the, the plays that really stood out defensively and, and offensively, some of the things that really were the highlights of that game?
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah, I can hear you, John. Uh, the I mean, obviously Jalen Hyatt, phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, you know, five touchdown receptions uh, in that football game. He doubled his touchdown intake on the season. Came in with five touchdowns and left with ten touchdowns. He now leads the nation with ten receiving touchdowns. And, of course, you got you got to have a guy to throw it to him. And Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt, uh, they were obviously on one. Uh, you know, just getting one-on-one matchups. Jalen Hyatt in the slot with the safety over the top, and uh, a couple of times with the, with the uh, nickel cornerback in there, and, and Jalen Hyatt would just outrun them. And it took them a great ball to get it to him, and so that that was working well for Tennessee. And uh, you know, it's just the, the resiliency of this team. I mean, obviously you had that get that all game, but the ability to come back whenever Alabama takes that score. Um, you know, going back to Hyatt, the ability to run the football late in the second half, whenever Alabama defensively went to a dime package, and uh, Tennessee just ran it all over them, and, and just not seeing a way uh, for Nick Saban to stop this offense was really, uh, re- really kind of interesting because you don't see that often from Alabama and Nick Saban. So obviously Jalen Hyatt stood out defensively. Tennessee had a lot of guys in the secondary who were out; they were playing a whole lot of young guys, and of course, you give up 42 points, but. A gritty effort from that defense against, obviously, you know, one of the best players in the country and Bryce Young, who was absolutely phenomenal. He wasn't 100%. I mean, I don't want to see him at 100% because he was really good against Tennessee.
1: Okay, so the thing is, you're halfway point of the season, 6 and 0, number three team in the country, and you, you've beaten Alabama. Are Tennessee fans thinking national championship? I like, guess, is, is it to that point, or is there still like, oh, you know, George is still on the schedule? He's still got to win the SEC. Like, what is the. What is the Fever pitch of excitement right now for Vols fans and the expectation they have the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think all bets are off right now. I mean, the excitement levels through the roof, as you'd imagine. Um there's a lot of people thinking Tennessee could beat Alabama coming into the game, and there was no reason to not think that Tennessee could win that game based on the the offensive performance in the last couple of weeks. And you, know, you got a you got a quarterback, you can win any football game, right? Tennessee's got one. So with the win over Alabama, I think that submits Tennessee as a player. I mean, it has to, right? you got Georgia coming up on the schedule, and uh, even if if you're going through these scenarios, even if you drop the Georgia game, you win all the other games, you don't go to the SEC championship game, uh, You know, maybe Georgia beats Alabama, and then potentially you're still in the playoff, right? So, or Alabama beats Georgia, you're, you're still in the playoff potentially. So you know, we'll see what happens, but I think the expectations are high. Um, because you beat Alabama, there's no reason to believe you can't beat Georgia. There's no reason to think you can't go – uh, to, to Atlanta and uh, contend for an SEC championship, and then and then who knows? But at Tennessee, they've got some shortcomings, obviously defensively. But when you have a quarterback, when you have an offense and play caller like Tennessee has, uh, the excitement levels through the roof. And you know, for the first time, you know, in the last ten, fifteen years, you can honestly say this team uh, is in the conversation when those college football playoffs comes out. Whenever you're you're looking ahead to potentially a playoff and, and stuff like that, I mean, Tennessee's 100%. It's in the conversation.
1: Speaking with Eric Kane of Locked On Vols here on the Jones and i and Brought a Fine Jewelry line. Eric, uh, you know, Hooker has obviously been so good this year. The, the numbers that he is putting up are just absurd at this point in time. You're talking about a guy who's completing 70% of his passes, has 15 touchdowns, only one interception, over 1,800 passing yards. Uh, it seems like he's blowing it up as well. I know that you cover Tennessee, so there there may be a little bit uh, of a bias or something there. But do you think he's the Heisman front runner far and away right now at this point?
0: Well, I, I don't know if he's a front runner, but he's certainly, I mean, certainly in the conversation. I mean, he's got to be, right? I mean, you know, CJ Stroud up at Ohio State is doing really well. I kind of looked at some of the stats nationally earlier today, and just kind of seeing, you know, quarterback, you know, completion percentage and quarterback rating and yards per completion. And, I mean, it's C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker up there, you know, all the way at the top. So, uh, you know, such a big part of Hendon Hooker's game as well as his abilities to run the football. You know, he a lot of times when Tennessee can't get anything going on the ground, they rely on Hendon Hooker to run the football, and he has three rushing touchdowns as well. But his efficiency, um, his yards per completion, again, as I mentioned, so through the roof. So, uh, you know, it's it's him and Stroud up there at the top, in my opinion, and we'll have to see exactly how Hendon Hooker continues to finish off the season, but. Uh, when you talk about Heisman moments, you know, down 49-42 to Alabama in the fourth quarter, you know, coming back, scoring, tying things up, you know, tie ball game, 15 seconds left, throwing two big-boy passes down the field to get your kicker in range, go kick a game-winning field goal. I mean, those are those are the Heisman moments, and, and Hinden Hooker had those, a couple of them. Uh, against florida a couple of them against alabama and you've got to beat the big teams in order to be in that heisman conversation and tennessee certainly did that with alabama so he is 100 percent in the conversation i'm excited to to see how he finishes off this season
1: i know that tennessee obviously has a few big games in front of them uh you know this weekend against ut martin we'll see it should be okay for him but then you got kentucky at home (laughs) and then on the road against georgia i know you mentioned the georgia game a little bit but how do you feel like they match up? Because Georgia's defense is much better than what you saw with Alabama. It's also on the road. Georgia will more than likely be the number one team in the country at that point in time. But just how do you feel like the Vols match up defensively, offensively, and everything with Georgia here in a couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, I mean Georgia's a really, really good team. And uh, I mean I haven't gotten into my deep dive in the stats and all that. And, I mean I've watched them a couple times this year, you know, after before Tennessee games. And, I mean, they're really, really good. Earlier in the season, it looked like they were going to have a, a letoff whatsoever, and then they kind of went through about eight to ten quarters of just lackluster football against Penn State, Missouri, and uh, the first half against Auburn. But I mean, Georgia's a good football team. Um, I, I think what gives Tennessee uh, opportunities is again, as I mentioned, the offense, the offense with the tempo. The offense is Tennessee's done all this the last couple of games, you know, without Cedric Tillman, who's one of the best wide receivers, not only in the SEC but probably in the country, and. You just had the next man up, Jalen Hyatt, step up and, and, and fill that void. So, uh, Georgia's defense, the secondary is going to be better than Alabama. It was the best defensive secondary in terms of defending the pass going into the game, but they still had some a uh, little bit of some issues to work out there uh, for Alabama. I think the secondary for Georgia will be a little bit better. The front seven, of course, will be good, but I mean, Alabama's front seven was good. I mean, having Will Anderson Jr. and Dallas Turner. Uh, isolated and be you know just neutralized non factors almost in this football game as a credit to Tennessee's offensive line so the offensive line the unsung heroes of this group the last two weeks they have physically dominated and played good football and so because of the way they're playing uh, you know again I like Tennessee's offense against any defense in the country right now so Georgia will be a challenge it always is um Kentucky the thing about Tennessee as well, and really football in general, if you don't come ready to play, you know teams like Kentucky, you know they they can beat you. So Tennessee's obviously got to take it one week at a time. But everybody, of course, you know as fans, they're going to circle that Georgia game. Look past UT Martin, which you can look past UT Martin. Look past Kentucky, and then all the way to Georgia. You know for that showdown, this should be a good one between the Hedges.
1: Also, the thing with uh, this past weekend too, I, I was so fascinated because you know obviously the tradition is to smoke up the cigars and. Uh, you know, I, I know that there was a lot of cigars going on, but what was that type of thing like? Just uh, seeing not only people smoking cigars, but just all over the stadium, like I'm uh, probably a hundred thousand people out there just lighting up some stogies.
0: I mean, it was. I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was blurry, man. There was smoke <laughs> all up in the air. You looked up; it's hard to see the scoreboard. I mean, there was tons and tons of smoke. I mean, Tennessee fans—they came packing. They were ready to roll. You know, there are some fans that would go to this game over the last fifteen years, and they would bring a cigar just in case, but. I think going into this matchup, you knew that you better pack that cigar because Tennessee could win this game, and certainly it did. So you had all the people smoking cigars in the stands, people rushing the field, running all over the place, lighting up the stogies, and uh, it was quite the scene. It was, uh, it's, I mean, it's college football, right? I mean, you know, smoking's against the rules, but in this game it's okay for who's the winner. And it's funny, Jalen Hyde as well said, you know, he was referencing the game last year and saying that the game wasn't over and it was in the fourth quarter and they could start smelling the cigar smoke you know, during the fourth quarter from the fans in the stands and how they just kind of sat with them and kind of irked them. And, you know, obviously Jalen Hyatt played well, kind of got his revenge. But uh, one of the coolest things in all of college football, the cigar game, and uh, it was uh, it was uh, awfully smelly there at Neyland Stadium towards the end. So what was the meaning behind uh, – Take, of course they were celebrating, they rushed the field, they took the goal poles down. What was the meaning behind dumping it in the
1: Tennessee River?
0: I can't hear either one of you guys
1: right now, Okay, okay, yeah. What was the meaning as far as when they took down the goalpost, putting it into the river? Because that was another (laughs) funny thing, too, where, you know, like when Arkansas beat Tennessee, actually, ironically enough, in 99, they carried the goalpost to Dixon Street, put it on bars. You see people place them everywhere. But why throw it into the river?
0: Oh, man, I'm going to be really bad at my Tennessee history here. But the last time they did this, I want to say it might have been 1989 when Tennessee beat Alabama. They were – both undefeated uh they were both in the top 10 and it was at Neyland Stadium uh, it might have been that game but there was a game back in the late 80s whenever a uh, Tennessee tore down the goalpost marched it down the uh the Cumberland Avenue and then threw it in the Tennessee River so that was that was just the you know if, if you're going to take down the goalpost you know where it's going to go and so uh it was funny man I, at one point in time I looked up in the stands and I saw the upright all the way up you know making its way towards uh, the top of the lower bowl and then they were bringing it back down. Ah, uh, one of the goalposts was completely taken out of the ground. The other one was, you know the 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 uprights were taken off. And so they were making their way around Deland Stadium. I think some fans were like cutting some of them off and keeping them as souvenirs. But uh, a lot of it went into the Tennessee River because it's it's been done before in the history of Tennessee football. So uh, all these students knew, that was the goal, and uh, they got it there, and they
1: accomplished it. <laughs> yeah, I saw somebody make a, a friend of mine actually tweeted out. He said, "Hey, Bill Dance is going to snag this on his line next week." You know, because Bill Dance, being that big Tennessee guy, always wearing that hat. Uh, you know, that was something that people kept bringing up. But uh, I also saw on top of that, though, the uh, the University of Tennessee putting out this like fundraiser to try to get field goal post. For the game next week. Now, again, you know, I get it. You always want to make some money and stuff. But I'm like, how does Tennessee not have enough money to put up the goalposts? Why are they have to put out a fundraiser like that?
0: Again, I'm I'm not in the no all the way on that one. But I I think Tennessee's okay. I think Tennessee's striking all the iron pie, trying to fill up those season ticket donations and, and trying to continue to, <laughs> to, to bring in some money. Just, uh, you know, overall, the health department that Tennessee funded, all that. I think Tennessee's okay. I'm willing to bet, John, that this time next week, Tennessee and UT Martin had a football game. There were two goalposts, and they, they worked just fine.
1: Yeah, because when I first saw that, I was just kind of like, okay. I mean, I guess, but I feel like if you're Tennessee, man, you're you're funding all the fines. You're you're funding the cigars. You're funding if the, you know if it was yeah. illegal to have the cigar smoke out there from the state, you're making sure that you sign off on that too. Just when I saw that, like the day after the celebration, I was like, well, here comes Captain Buzzkill in here to try to say, hey, we need some money for these goalposts when. People are donating all this money. It just seemed like it was a crazy thing.
0: Yeah, Danny White. I mean, he is—he is a really good athletics director. He has done a great job here at the University of Tennessee, and uh, he—he's—he's uh, he's great at marketing. Man, he's great at raising money. <laughs> you know, that, thats just a, another way to raise some money for the University of Tennessee. I did see that as a little off footing, but I think Tennessee will be just okay. You know, come this time next week. So, a couple more of the quality games that are on the schedule, of course. Kentucky, and then Georgia. Is there anything else on Tennessee's schedule that maybe raises some eyebrows to say this is a game to watch out for? Yeah, I mean, the, the two big ones you just mentioned, obviously Kentucky. I mean, that's a solid football team. though no, they're not playing too well, but that's a solid football team, especially if they have a quarterback that's healthy and with that run game. Georgia, of course, self-explanatory. And then, the you know, preseason over the summer, whenever you're kind of going through and predicting and everything, you know, that game at Columbia later in the year, against South Carolina, potentially. You know, this could, could be a game to where, again, if you don't come ready to play, then, then you, you can get beat because it, they do have a quarterback that's capable uh, on a good day uh, of throwing and, and completing the passes and, and beating you. So, you know, overall, you know, Tennessee's already went on the road to beat Pittsburgh. Tennessee's already beaten Florida at home. Tennessee went on the road and demolished LSU. Tennessee came back home and beat Alabama. I mean, there's still some challenges on the schedule, don't get me wrong, but Tennessee's got a really, really good uh resume it's working with right now and there's there's you know when you look at that and look what it's accomplished so far there's no reason to believe that tennessee can't beat everybody else on their schedule but again they got to come ready to play they got to get healthy too you know the secondary is really beat up right now you want to get cedric tillman back um the schedule's been kind of favorable in that regard you had the bye week in week four after the florida game which is really physical. You go on the road against LSU, come back Alabama, and then now you have a game against UT Martin, which, of course, it's not a bye week, but it's a chance to where you get a lot of young guys in there and rest up uh, for the final run. So uh, Kentucky, Georgia for sure, South Carolina on the road, you better be ready to come to play. But I mean, Missouri and Vanderbilt at this point in time really shouldn't be a worry whatsoever.
1: Got about a minute left. Uh, Real quick, Eric, I'm just curious. If uh, Josh Heupel ran for governor today, would he win in a landslide?
0: <laughs> Easily, man. Josh Heifel's about the most popular man, <laughs> not only in this state, but in this region. Um, I mean, job well done. He's, uh, he embodies the confidence and the go get it mentality, and that is exemplified around the locker room and on that roster. These players love playing for Josh Heifel. A lot of people call him for lifetime contracts for Josh Heifel after that win, of course. But I mean, you got to think about it. This fan base has been starving for a winner. It's lost to Alabama, its biggest rival, for 15 straight years. And Josh Heibel comes in and does it in year two, still with a lot of holes in this roster. So he has done a great job. Fans are jacked up about it, and, uh, and I think if he put his name on that ballot right now, he'd get be, be voted in. No, no doubt about it. It would be an easy running.
1: Eric Kane of Locked On Vols podcast, appreciate it. Eric is always coming on and joining us, and uh, I know it's a celebration continuing on there in Knoxville. Enjoy it, man, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. All right.
0: Hey, guys, appreciate it. Good luck to you guys.